We are actually continuing a series today called How to Get More from God. And so we, um, I know that it was weird to start a series uh, in the middle of a, of a, a tropical depression as we did last week. Uh, we had a few folks here. We had a few folks online. Uh, you'll have to go back and catch how we started it, but I'll give you a few uh, recap things today. We start with the foundation of that we all want more. And that is just a, that's just something we all know is true. Again, even as Chris was praying and thinking through, like, that desire comes from God, whether you want more money and more time or more energy or more friends, more opportunity, more surprise and excitement, more, well, maybe more sleep and more rest. I know some of you need that. Uh, whatever you truly deeply desire uh, that you feel satisfied by or that you're trying to feel satisfied by is usually what you want more of. And we really do believe this comes from God. And there's a lot of spiritual things we want more of, but we don't think they're spiritual necessarily. I wrote a quick list last week that, you know, sometimes we just want more blessing. You know, we, 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 we're thankful for maybe what God has done in our life, but we really do desire more. We want more clarity in terms of hearing from God. We want more experience in terms of the, the local church. And believe it or not, last week, again, with hardly anyone in the local church, or any local church in Lake Norman for that matter, we talked about how to experience the most we can in the local church. Peace, pre- presence, um, uh, success in terms of just things working out. Like, you know, I'm not talking about just success in business. I'm talking about, like, you just want more success in life, you know, instead of feeling like you're pushing a boulder uphill all the time, right? And we want that, and we don't really think sometimes that it's spiritual 100%, but it is tied to spiritual things and spiritual disciplines uh, in our life. And so we, we uh, what did I, oh yeah, this is from last week. This is just a little bit of the, the again, experience side. We started just with the big picture experience, and I talked about the Jesus' greatest commandment. And it says to love your Lord, your God, with all your heart. Isn't that my next line? Yeah. All your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And, and it's the basic principle that we really do receive what we give. And so I talked a lot last week about this great commandment that Jesus gave, really kind of gave us the key, if you will, of how to receive the most experience that we possibly could have from God is actually to engage fully with God, to love the Lord our God with all our heart, our soul, and our mind and our strength. And then we ended with a question that, to be honest, is a question we'll end with every single week, which is this, do you want more? And we talked about it at Partner Night this past week as our partners gathered uh, at Journey. We talked a lot about what it looks like to be stuck, and we talked about, you know, how do we move forward if you don't recognize and acknowledge the, the ugly truth and the brutal facts of our current reality. There really is no way to move uh, forward. And sometimes the first thing we got to do is admit that, honestly, we're very complacent and we just don't want more. We don't really want more because we don't understand the fullness of God. We don't understand the fullness of what wait is waiting for us. And so we don't really understand the life that he's called us to and to experience. So we get stuck. And so we're obviously, we're teaching this series from the, from the uh, basis that you do want more, obviously. We're really teaching it from the standpoint that if you, whether you want more or not, it doesn't really matter. I'm going to teach it like you do, all right? You want more, and, uh, and, and God, it's not that God is reluctantly not giving you more, that you got to try to somehow kind of pry this from God. No, we really do believe that God has already given you more than you could possibly ask for imagine. He's already made accessible to you everything for the fullness of life that he's called you to. Ephesians 3.20, one of my favorite verses says, all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we could even ask or think, or imagine, as the NIV says. 
That's what we really do believe. And so this, is, this isn't a how to get more, trying to pull it away from God. This is a he, he's already given us more. We just need to access it from him. Today, the topic is going to be specifically, how do we get more from God when it comes to hearing God and hearing from God? This is a big conversation that I have a lot of times with people. And so we know this is a big deal. We know this is partly, and so again, sometimes people don't always uh, state that I just need to hear more from God. They talk about what they need to hear. And here's three categories that tend to, to permeate almost all the conversations I have with people who want to hear from God and want to hear God more. And that is clarity, because this is confusing times. And it's confusing for us to, to take what we were taught and what we learned growing up as a kid and maybe learned in church, and now what the culture says is right and wrong and what my friends believe and my, you know, the, the diversity of the friends I have. And I'm having a, it's confusing for me to get clarity on what might be true and what might not be true. So I'm looking for clarity. I'm looking for God to, to take the confusion in my life and make it clear. I don't know why all these things have happened, and I'm looking for clarity. Sometimes it's direction, you know? Should I take this job or that job, right? Should I marry this person or should I run away from them as fast as possible, right? Should I, should I, what should I do with my kids, my kids that are starting to, to turn from me and turn from what is good? Like there's a directional piece that we want to hear from God. And then there's a, a piece. You know, we live in a very emotional, distressed time in our, in our country and in our, in our culture and there's a lot of mental and emotional um, uh, disorders and disabilities and things where people are living with fear and anxiety and worry and depression, and they desperately are just looking for peace. And they might even be praying for it, but they do not feel like they're hearing from God. So this is just a big deal. People really do want more of this. They, it depends on where you are in your life, but this is what we tend to lean towards. And now the reality is that in Scripture, Scripture not only tells us that we, uh, by example, that we should see God actively in our life and that, you know, we see in stories after stories after stories in the, in the Old New Testament of God stepping in and God speaking and God, you know, making his will known to his people. And then we're told by Jesus and we're told by the apostles afterwards in the early church that this is something we should expect, to have his word in our heart, to have this message uh, within us. This is from Colossians that Paul writes to the church and says, I want the message of Christ to dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms and hymns and songs of the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. He's talking about church in terms of uh, the church gathering together, but really it's just doing life together. And, and what he means by dwell among you richly is not dwell as in like it's, it's you know, it's the, the Bible's in the center and some sort of glass case, you know. It's like, no, it needs to dwell in you. It needs to be inside of you. The message from God needs to be in you and in you so that when you are, you know, at teaching and admonishing and encouraging one another, that there's, 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 there's actual truth going on. There's actually the message of God. And you can hear him uh, clearly. And so in order for it to be inside of us, in order for us to hear more from God, uh, I'm going to give you kind of two basic bottom lines today. If you don't remember anything else, I want you to remember these two things. Um, and they just coexist together. And there's really no way around it. It's the, it's the beginning of all disciplines when it comes to our Christian faith. But if we want to hear from God, we have to do what? Read it out loud. You have to read his word. And you know what's funny is that if we read his word, guess what happens? Read it out loud. All right, let's all do it like we're in class together, okay, class? All right, here we go. If you want to hear from God, what do you do? Read his word. 
You read his word, and if you, and listen, the promise is this. If you read his word, what happens? Right. We were not really meant to be, in terms of followers of Christ, sort of the, these people that are just begging God to speak to us. Like leaning in, trying to figure out this, you know, this still small voice, or, or trying to figure out, uh, what, is he saying this through friends or from a word from someone else? You know, we're, we're, we're just, we're just you know, caught in the confusion of things. That's not the life we were called to do. We were really called to hear from God. And now he, and I, and I say this because this is the baseline premise, but, you know, God might speak to you through, you know, visions and dreams. He might. He might speak to you through other people, through close friends or family or even from strangers, someone speaking a word over your life. Like, he might be speaking to you. He might actually be speaking to you in the still, small voice prompting that's inside of you. But here's the deal. If you're not reading his word, you will not know whether that's him speaking. Y'all with me? Let me put it another way. God is not the only spiritual voice in your head. Okay? He's not the only spiritual voice that's speaking to you. And I'll talk to people sometimes that give me that statement that, you know, I feel like God just told me. God would told me to do this. And sometimes I'll be a jerk and I'll push back and say, cool, how'd you know? Well, I just, you know, I just, I just felt it. Oh, really? That's fantastic. I felt all sorts of things that aren't from God, <laughs> right? And so I start having conversations with people say, well, I just feel like he wants me to do this because he wants me to be happy. And I think, where, and I'm just asking people, where do you get that? Show me in scripture where you get that. Well, he says to make all things work together for good. No, no, no. He said he will make all things work together for good. good. It's not our job. Well, I just really feel like, I mean, I really felt like he was saying, you know, to divorce my spouse. And I'm like, okay, tell me how you felt that, that God actually said that to you. Tell me. And I'm not trying to push back on what is going on in your life. I'm just trying to say that when you're, when you're wanting to hear from God, you're wanting to hear from God, and you don't read his word, that's not your first step, then everything else that you think is him, you have no idea if it's him. You just don't. You want to hear from God, you've got to read his word, and I promise you if you read his word, you will hear from God. That is true. Now, let's, here's, here's what his word is promises us that it's all scripture is now inspired by God and it's useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It goes on to tell here's some other things it does. It corrects us when we're wrong. It teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. It encourages us. It teaches us. It equips us, right? It guides us. It encourages us. It challenges us. It motivates us. And above all things, it reveals who God is to us. That's what his word does. We do not have a book of ordinances and rules to follow in order to make God happy. That's not what the Bible is. We do not pray to, to any type of idols or false gods. We do not need mediums or spiritual mediators to interpret spiritual things on our behalf. And we don't have to meditate we don't have to meditate with some Eastern yoga thing to clear your mind and clear your spirit in order to get some sort of euphoric feeling that we believe might be God. That's not how this was designed. The fact that God can and does speak to us today with clarity and understanding is one of the primary things that really separates Christianity from all other religions today. 
is that we have, a, we have a living Savior. We have a Word of God that is active and alive and powerful that speaks to us just as clearly today as it was spoken in real time as it was being recorded and inspired by the Spirit. All Scripture is inspired by the Spirit. Now, I do have to tell you this. If you struggle with the authority of Scripture, if you struggle really believing that this is the Word of God, then I just got to tell you, we've, we've taught all sorts of series and lessons and sermons, and we have resources for you. If that's truly a hang-up for you, please just connect with us. Just be honest about it. I mean, you know, just let us know. We'll try to point you in the right direction. We can't force you to believe anything you don't believe and whatever the case is. But if you don't believe that this is the Word of God, then honestly, you're getting about as much, influ- you know, you're getting about as much of a clarity of who God is, uh, you know, trying to read this but not believing it's from him as you would reading Dr. Seuss, you know? And listen, Green Eggs is Ham is an amazing book, okay? It's got some awesome messages in it, but it's not about who God is, and that's what this is. But you have to believe, you have to understand from, from, from what Scripture says this is and how it was put together and how it was canonized and how it now forms in our life, and you have to know what Scripture is not, and I'll just take you through a couple things. Again, we've taught all this before, but I'll just take you through a couple things that will hopefully be helpful. The God of Word is not an encyclopedia. Now, I had to say this in the first service. How many of you actually know what an encyclopedia is? Raise your hand, because we've got a lot of young people that might not know. Google is the other word you might want, you know. For the rest of us, encyclopedia was what we had to go to. But it's not an encyclopedia, all right? It's not a reference manual, right? It's not a little instruction booklet. It's not a user's guide. It's not a history book. All right? It's not Yahoo Answers, right? Maybe there's some other more modern examples, but it's not any of those things. And it may have bits and pieces that might be true of some of those things, but that is not what it is. What it is is it's 66 different, okay, hear the words, different books and historical documents and manuscripts and narratives and poems and proverbs, you know, and prophecies. It's all different. And the only thing that not only binds it together, not just the canonization of Scripture, but in the process of that, helping us understand that there is one story about one character, and it's God from beginning to end. Through Jesus Christ, God creating, God redeeming, and then God ultimately restoring all things. That's the Bible. Okay, that's what it is. It, lets, it reveals who God is to us so that we can know him and we can love him and enjoy him. It's not, it's not sometimes how we approach it. We approach it as an encyclopedia and we approach it like a reference guide. Okay, let's see what it says about you know, this. Find that thing in the back of the Bible, you know, like all good table of contents. Tell me, tell me this topic. It's not, it's not those things. And sometimes, again, because of how we read the Scripture, is sometimes why we, why we don't hear from God in Scripture. Now, I'll, I'll give you this. This is just a quick, um, a quick tool. Uh, it's, it's more complex than this. And let me just throw this out there. There are tools. Okay? There are tools to help you understand the Word of God better. There's tools to help you study the Word of God. That's fantastic. But all you really need, according to what Scripture says, all you really need to read the Word of God is the Holy Spirit in you to have eyes that will see and ears that will hear and a heart that will respond. That's all you need for you to read the Word of God and get something out of it, to receive something from it, to hear from Him. If you want to just, again, this is just a quick tool, but if you want a good overall tool as you read Scripture, I want to give you two words that I want you to remember. It's called prescriptive and descriptive. 
In terms of all 66 different books, there's a, there's a way in which you can read that this will hopefully change things for you. Prescriptive texts instruct us and descriptive texts describe to us. That sounds really elementary, but I'm going to make you read it out loud so we can all say it together. You ready? Read that loud. Prescriptive texts instruct us. Descriptive texts describe to us. Now, most of the time, the majority of time, prescriptive texts, commands, are very easy to see and easy to recognize. Prescriptive texts, some of them can be a little tricky, but most of them are very easy to see when they're a command for all. All right? The majority, especially the Old Testament, and some of the things we even read in the New Testament, are driven by descriptive text. They're driven to describe things to us. They are not prescribed by God. They are not God's stamp of approval. They are not necessarily God's plan, but they describe to us, for whatever reasons the Holy Spirit inspired it to be written, describe to us what happened, what will happen, and what could happen. You with me? What did happen is history, what will happen is prophecy, and what could happen is honestly just Proverbs, all right? What could happen meaning just simply wisdom. If you do this, then this is usually what happens. And descriptive text helps describe things to us, but it's not prescriptive. Here's some examples of descriptive text that we'll read. Stoning children, right? Multiple wives, slavery, mutilation, segregation, concubines, animal sacrifice. You're going to read all of this in Scripture. That is descriptive text for our benefit. For our benefit. This is not prescriptive text. Praise the Lord. Right? This is not prescriptive. This is, these are not the commands of God. So I'll have conversations with people sometimes that struggle with Scripture. They not only struggle with the, the authority of Scripture, they just struggle with Scripture as a whole because they read it and they're just like, how in the world could God put his stamp of approval on any of this? Or how could a God who's real be like this? And I'm just like, I mean, again, I'm, I, I don't push back all the time with people, but sometimes I'll push back and be like, dude, you, you know, has God, does God approve of everything you do in your life? Like, should the Holy Spirit, let's just wear this for a minute, should the Holy Spirit inspire someone to record your life in detail for generations upon generations upon generations to read and learn from, what are they going to say about God based on your life? Big old holiness stamp of approval on the things you've done? No, of course not. So why in the world would you read Scripture or give me the argument about Scripture when you logically know that's not true? The Crusades were not from God, regardless of whether they put the name of God on them. Nor was the KKK when they burned crosses just because they read the Bible during that time. Like, this does, not put, this does not put God's stamp of approval on it. The descriptive texts are given to us so that we can see the brokenness of humanity and watch God show up and see faith come alive in the midst of it. That's the reason that we have descriptive text. So you have to know what the Word of God is and and what it is, and again, primarily just have eyes to see what He wants you to see, ears to hear, a heart to respond as you approach Scripture. One of the worst things I see And this is something I had a conversation with um, uh, some pastors last week. I took a two-day study break, and I was down in South Carolina, and I met with some pastors I've met with before, and they're doing a lot of research. They they, they connect with churches up and down the East Coast, and they they they, they do a lot of surveys. We've done a couple in our church before, but they do a lot of surveys every year on certain things, and they send it to a group in New York, and there's a group in New York that take all the church's information, and they, they sort of help reveal trends. They sort of help them reveal things 
uh, to them. And one of the things I asked them, I said, hey, we hadn't talked about it in a few years. And I said, hey, tell me some of the new trends. Tell me some of the stuff you're dealing with or that you're seeing from the surveys that you're reading. And they basically were very honest. They said, the one that bothers us the most, the one that we're dealing with the most, is that regardless of the accessibility, regardless of how accessible it is, biblical literacy in the cultural USA continues to plummet down. Like regardless of you version and having 87 different, you know, translations at your disposal, regardless of whether you can listen to it in the car or hear it on CD or read a children's Bible app for crying out loud, regardless of all of those things, biblical literacy, knowing what the Bible says, continues to plummet in our country. And they don't know how to solve that. And I don't know how to solve that especially when it's as accessible as it is. And here's what happens. And this is what happened, this has been happening even in our current generation, is that because of our ignorance, hear the word, ignorance, biblical illiteracy, because of our ignorance, we don't actually know who God is, we just guess at who he is based on who we are. Right? And then what's worse, <laughs> this is what's worse, what's worse is then we listen to someone tell us what God said, and we match it with our own ignorance of who we guessed God is, and then we share that with other people. That's what makes it worse, right? And the reality is, is that is not what God called us to. That is not what God called you to as a follower of Christ, for you to walk around in confusion and cause worse confusion for the people in your life and the people around you. If you don't know what God, who God is and what he said, shut your mouth and don't say anything to anyone. You hear me? Don't make it worse. Stop assuming God is just a larger, a little bit more wiser, a little bit more powerful version of you, because that's not God. In our heart of hearts, we know. We know what we have not done to hear from him. We've tried everything else, and yet we still desire more. We desire clarity. We desire direction. And we desire peace that we can't find anywhere else. And in order to do that, we have to hear God. And in order to hear God, we have to read his word. He's given us everything that we need. Peter says it this way, that by his divine power, he's given us everything we need to live a godly life. He's not holding back on you. He, he wants you to know. He, he doesn't want you guessing. He doesn't, want you, he doesn't want you assuming. He doesn't want you to cause more of a problem for people. He wants you to know with clarity and understanding who he is. But in order to do that, we have to read his word, and we have to want to. We have to want more to hear from God. Do you want more? Yeah, you want more. I don't care if you said no. I want, I mean, we're going to go like you want more, okay? So here's five ways that you can basically intake the word of God. You can read his word, you can hear his word, you can memorize his word, you can study his word, and you can meditate on his word. All right? Those are just five basically suggestions, but I can't think of any other ways to take it in. There's no osmosis I've tried. Okay? That's the way you got to do it. You got to read it, you got to hear it, you got to uh, study it, you got to meditate, and you got to memorize it. And take it in. And, and, for, and listen, Bible reading, Bible study, this, this is not a formula, this is, a, this is an art. Okay? 
Like we've given you some tools, we've given you soap, and we've done some other things to help you formally, you know, figure out how to do it. But that's just to get the ball rolling, right? You got to know who you are, how God made you, and then take who you are and approach it to how you want to hear from God and how you need to approach the intake, how you need to approach reading His Word. For example, I am I am a, I'm a movie person. I love stories. All right, I love stories. I'm a movie person, and I love to listen to audiobooks and audio podcasts. That's how I learn. That's my, that's just who I am. So I have to do a great deal of that. I read out of discipline, but I have to do a great deal of that if I want to really just, you know, study and absorb myself into the Word of God. And I heard this described this way one time, which was really helpful for me, that really when I read or when I'm listening to just big, 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 expanses of scripture, it's like watching something on Netflix in real time. Does that make sense? I'm just watching it play out in real time. But then when I study something, it's actually like breaking it out frame by frame, rewinding, playing, rewinding, playing, catching all the little things that I might not have missed, that I might have missed the first time. You with me? That's study. And then meditation and memorization really just comes from what I already do naturally. I can quote almost every line from Tommy Boy or any of the Star Wars movies because I love those stories. I love those stories and those, and it's not any different with scripture meditation or scripture memory. You're going to take the stuff that means something to you. You're going to take the stuff that actually uh, speaks to you in that moment and you can commit that to memory so you can regurgitate that at a later, later time. So you can put that out there at a later time. And because I do it so well with other things, I know I can do it with his word. I know that I can. We've got to read. We've got to hear. We've got to study. We've got to meditate. Memorize. Let me give you some scripture for this. We must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught, meaning as written, as it was delivered, so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. You cannot contradict. You cannot argue with people's truth if you do not know absolute truth. You cannot have a conversation with somebody about what they relatively think is true if you don't have any source, any understanding of the Word of God to know what actually is true. You have to read it. You have to hear it. This is what James says. Don't don't merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourself. you got to do what it says. There's an element of hearing something that, you know, something goes on in our brain. We'll hear something, and everybody goes, ooh, that's good. And then we deceive ourselves because we actually think something happened internally. We actually think that some sort of transformation happened just because we heard it. No, hearing it is, is, in, is in James' words the same as doing it. You hear it, you read it, you do it. That's how it has to flow, especially when it comes to his word. It goes on to say, memorize, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. You don't have any idea how much putting God's word, memorizing God's word into your heart allows you to be able to fight temptation in the future, fight struggles in the future. To study it, the Word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper than the two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Here's what that means. The reason we study things, the reason we take a topic and we study the Word of God, and I've been studying the Word of God for a long time. I've gone through every bit of the process. I was raised in church. I didn't understand it. I just took for granted what everybody told me God said. I got a little older crap hit the fan. I had to figure out what God actually said. I realized how much was wrong that I heard when I grew up. I realized how much I needed to make my faith my own. I began to study. I began to read. And the reality is, is regardless of 20 years of taking time to study the Word of God, you know, I can still read Scripture and it says something new to me. Do you want to know why? It has nothing to do with Scripture. 
It has everything to do with the fact that it exposes me in the moment. It, it, it cuts through and exposes my innermost parts. And where I am today and what I'm dealing with today and how I'm thinking today is what gets revealed by reading that passage and going, wow, I never saw that before. That's how it's alive, living, active, and powerful. Meditate. This is for how I love your law. I meditate on it day, all day long. Your commands are always with me. They make me wiser than my enemies. You know, meditation gets a bad rap because it is kind of tied very heavily to the Eastern religious kind of uh, culture, but meditation was very biblical. That was something that the, the Old Testament, you see a lot of in the Old Testament. Meditation, and this is just the best way to describe it, you know, meditation is sort of the Eastern religious culture, the yoga culture kind of thing is all about emptying out your mind and emptying out your spirit so that you can have some sort of euphoric moment in meditation. But honestly, meditation the way God sees it is not for you to empty it out, but to fill your mind and fill your spirit with truth. And then to ruminate on that, to sit with that and let it just soak in. It's not about emptying, it's about filling to meditate. So when do you make time to read? When do, when do you personally make time to read? Listen, we make time for the things that are important to us. You know, and there's a, I mean, you know, the new, the new iPhone, uh, blah, 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 OS 12 or whatever, has come out with a fantastic thing in which it's going to let you know how much screen time you've used. It's going to send a little thing to you. You don't even have to ask for it. It's just going to send it to you and say, hey, fantastic. You spent about an average of three hours a day on Facebook. And then you're going to tell me that you do not have time to read his word. You do not have time to read scripture. You do not have time to study. I hope that's revealing to you. Can't wait for all of you to get iOS 12 and just get that a message right away. When do you read? When do you, know, when do you spend time listening? Obviously, you're doing it now. There's an element of even corporate worship I talked about last week as to when we learn and when we hear the Word of God. So I'm not, I'm not talking about the fact that this is not beneficial to you. That's why we use a lot of Scripture when I teach and when other people teach, because we want you to hear the Word of God and read the Word of God. When do you memorize it? Can you memorize it? When do you meditate? Right? When do you study? Listen, I, our, our group, I'll just tell you a quick story. Our small group went this past week, and um, we were doing a Colossians study, and one of the questions came up, and it said, hey, what scriptures come to your mind when you start to experience suffering? And it was so cool to watch our, my, my small group just start to share, you know, little bits and pieces of scripture that they go, you know, honestly, when, I, when I'm feeling this way or feel like this is happening, you know, honestly, this is one of those scriptures that come to mind. Scripture memory is a very powerful thing, especially when life gets confusing, especially when life and you need direction, especially when you're looking for peace. My wife and I have this thing where she does it a lot, lot better than me, but sometimes if she's really working on something, whether it's anxiety or peace or freedom or some sort of theme, she will go find as much scripture as she possibly can, and she will just read it and read it and read it and meditate on it and memorize it so that it comes to mind. When she starts to feel anxiety come up, it comes to mind. When she starts to have an issue with parenting, it comes to mind. Matter of fact, this is from the book called Habits of Grace, and I love this quote about scripture memory. It says, scripture memory at its best it's about feeding your soul today. There is an aspect of feeding your soul today, but it also is mapping your life and mind onto the very life and mind of God. It's aligning and mapping out your life 
and your mind with his life and his mind. I love this. This, this is the other bottom line. Again, you know, read it, you know, hear, hear from God. You got to read his word. If you read his word, you'll hear from God. That's one bottom line. But the other bottom line I wanted to give you was just the challenges you leave today. And that's this, is that if you really want to get more from God, if you really want to hear him, then you need to shape your life with the words of life. That's it. Shape your life with the words of life. You've heard me read Romans 12 before, and you might not recognize the reference, but you've heard me say this quite often, that uh, the Word of God says, do not conform, right? Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, by the renewing the way you think. And that, that conforming thing is really big because I've shared with you before, it's really all about our life and our current culture and our current world is constantly trying to press you and shape you into a pattern and into a mold that fits with everything else. But the reality is, is that's not the mold God has for you. That is not the shape he wants to press you into. You, for you to shape your words with the words of life is for you to start taking steps to be pressed into the mold that God has for you, which is to be more and more like Jesus. So shape your, your life with the words of life. I wish it was... I wish to a certain degree it was a little bit more difficult and you had to put a little bit more effort in because then I believe some of you might actually do it. But because it's so accessible and because it's so somewhat easy, you're going to have to be really intentional, really intentional about making the reading the Word of God a daily discipline, a daily discipline to read, to hear, to meditate, to study, and to memorize, and to take in. Why? So that we can have the message dwelling within us as we teach each other, as we encourage each other, as we challenge each other, that it all comes from the truth of the Word of God. Let's pray together this morning. Father God, I just um, I come to you in prayer this morning with this single uh, desire that everyone in the room and everyone watching later would just make a commitment in their heart right now to be a lifelong learner. That regardless of how much they heard growing up and regardless of how much they feel like they know and regardless of how many times they've read through the Bible, that it would never be enough. That they would remain curious. That they would, they, they would take everything that they read that challenges their heart and they would press into it and study it more. Why, God? So that we can hear from you so every one of us in this room can have clarity and understanding from you, can have direction when we need direction in our life, and can begin to experience the peace that only you offer through your word. God, that's my prayer today. It's only by your power, it's only by your spirit we can accomplish this. God, I, I don't, I don't want to make anyone's life any harder than it already is, but God, I do want you to press on us that we would that we would no longer just be satisfied with wanting more and trying to continue to be shaped into what the world tells us will fill our hearts and fill our lives. God, would you let us begin to shape our lives with your words of life. I pray all this in your name, Jesus. Amen.